Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another special edition of the Welcome or Wow, forgetting the name of my own podcast. Welcome to the J. Uh, I am your host, Jahans Lee Madiga, aka 12. This is season two. This is guest number 11 that we have coming up this year. But before we get into it, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network, where you can get content such as this, different individuals representing their alma maters, just like I am doing today. Our guest today is a current member of the San Antonio Spurs. He is a legendary Craytonian. He just joined the 30 Club. This is Mr. 3000 himself. You all know who it is. Douglas Richard McDermott. Welcome to the J, brother. Thanks, Jay. Feels good to be back, brother. I like the man, I like what you've done with the room, man. I like the like the hey, banner I'm, in the back. I'm trying the big banner. The you know we're Valley boys at heart, so I always try to represent Absolutely. as much as I possibly can. I mentioned it just now. First of all, happy <laughs> birthday! This was a weird birthday week for you. Uh, how did you how did you celebrate, and what did you have to do on this wonderful 30th birthday of yours? This milestone birthday of yours. Man, it's crazy. I'm actually, uh, I'm in, Det- I'm in a Detroit hotel room. Uh, I've been here for, this is my day, this is day five. So mm. I uh, rang in the new year and celebrated the birthday in this room. So a lot, lot going on. Great start to the year. Great start to the thirties. Um, it feels yeah. like yesterday we we're just celebrating 20, 21, you know, drinking our absolute vodka and eat mcdonald's so <laughs> it's uh we've come a long ways <laughs> is it insane how time flies like it literally feels like we're just like about to move into canopic and all that stuff every time i see you i think about all those times but i mean we're 30 now <laughs> like we're grown we have grown decisions to make we have like uh things bills we have to pay and all that stuff we had no worries about those back then right yeah exactly we had we had moms taking care of it back then doing our laundry yeah. and you know, coming to clean yeah, our place. She's meatloaf so. to look forward to. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but she still, she still does that for me. I'm not letting that go in my 30s. Yeah, you better not. I wouldn't do it if I was in your shoes either. <laughs> we got to talk about it. The boys, big time double OT win against Marquette the other day. Uh, Alex O'Connell hits a crazy shot to send it to second overtime. And then they show a little bit of moxie, a little bit of poison at second overtime. I think they have Marquette scoreless. What impressed you about, you know, the end of that game, especially, obviously, and how the boys were able to pull it off in a tough road environment? Yeah, you know, I think uh, just showed a lot of growth. You know, obviously, we have a very young team right now. Um, Obviously, it's nice having a guy like Ryan Hawkins on the team who brings that veteran presence. Um, But just an unbelievable shot by Alex. And, you know, we all know Marquette's a tough place to play. And, uh, you know, these guys, they're getting better every day. You know, obviously, they were a little rusty coming out of that. Um, time off um, but I thought overall they looked really good against Marquette and uh, you know sometimes you just got to get lucky you know we know we know Marquette did it to us at at our place so I think we kind of owed yeah. them a crazy shot like that and huge shot by Alex I was gonna say I know coach <laughs> Mack as he saw that shot go up we somebody zoomed into that little dance that he did to will that shot in I know coach yeah. Mack was certainly relieved you know that we finally got one back against Marquette after a couple of years ago. Like you mentioned, they had that crazy buzzer beater at our place in Omaha. For sure. Yeah. You know, the, the weight of the floor and the arena changes when he puts that leg <laughs> off the ground. So that probably, that probably, uh, probably helped the ball go in. <laughs> uh, we had Mad the Marinas on the show last week and I asked him if we were on the verge of watching uh, Ryan Cogbrenner really come into his own. We know what he does defensively, but offensively the last couple of games, he's really picked up the slack. 
he answers the call 20 points 12 rebounds uh i you played on the under 19 team usa team and you had a lot of pressure to like perform coming into that sophomore year he kind of did the same thing this past summer playing for the under 19 team and you know a lot of expectations were placed on his shoulders are you seeing him really come into his own like we had predicted a week ago yeah for sure you know i think uh, just what he does around the rim alters every shot. You know, he might not block every shot, but um, when you have a guy that's seven, seven, one in there, just um, around the rim, it just, it, it forces you to throw floaters up or kind of second guess how you're going to finish. And that's been huge for us. Cause then if you can get, have a guy like that, it just, it starts our fast break, you know, and we like to run obviously. Um, so I think having him has been huge. His confidence is great. He's hitting free throws. And I think that USA deal, like you said, uh, like it did for me, I think it just brought a whole different confidence level going into the season. And you're you're starting to see that with him with with the way he's finishing and the way he's playing on defense. You mentioned Ryan Hawkins as a steady leader for the team, for such a young team. He just kind of plugs himself in and immediately you see the impact that he has. I've been one of the people who has kind of compared him to you, just the way that he gets his shots up, the way that, you know, he has that little push floater in the paint. His footwork when when he has back down opportunities against small defenders, am I reaching when I'm comparing you two, or do you see something uh, like a little bit of your younger self there too? I definitely do, you know, and uh, you know I think uh, he, he just he just plays at his own pace. You know, I think that's what separates him uh, compared to a lot of these younger guys on the floor. He you can tell he has the experience. Um, you know, he never gets sped up. And what I like about him is he. He just, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if he's missed three or four threes in a row. He just keeps firing, uh, kind of like Rodney did, uh, like we, all of us did. Um, so he yeah. would have fit in great. He would have fit in great on our team and obviously see a lot of similarities to, to each other. And, uh, you know, he's he just been fun to watch. I think his leadership skills are probably um, what's helped this team the most, uh, you know, based on what I've talked to with the coaches, you know, uh, he's just huge in the locker room and uh, we're going to need that going forward, obviously. How relieved is Coach Mack after this win? I know, obviously, you guys still talk on a daily basis. What What do you think was going through him as, you know, he saw the final buzzer go down after that second overtime, realizing that he just pulled off that win on the road? Yeah, I texted him, kind of give him shit, like, uh, after the game. And he, he just said, uh, never a doubt, never a doubt. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's just how we drew it up. Um, so, you yeah. know. Uh, I was, uh, you know, obviously stuck in this hotel room so I can critique everything. But, you know, when we're up 17, 15, you know, in the second half, you know, you're feeling good. And, you know, obviously Marquette made that run. and um, But just unbelievable shot. Um, you know, obviously having a guy like Alex who just has the swagger and confidence to take that shot um, is huge. That is the one thing that the Jays have been lacking a little bit this year is that consistency, right? We've got, we've seen him go into some big leagues like this past game and against Nebraska and that leads slowly dwindles down and the other team's able to get back into the game. We've seen him lead from start to finish like the day against BYU and against Villanova. And then we've seen him have some questionable losses like against Arizona State. Uh, you who have already obviously been in their shoes before, what kind of advice would you give like this young team who's still trying to come into its own and trying to figure you know, what kind of team they're actually really going to be when it's all said and done. What kind of advice would you give to this team? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, after watching them and, you know, playing for a long time, you know, when you have those 15 point leads, you know, when you have those 17 point leads, um, each possession becomes more important. You know, I, I think when you have that, that lead, you don't want to 
come down and, you know, throw up a crazy one or force a bad pass. You know, I think when you, when you're at that range, you know, I think you got to kind of slow yourself down and just, and make good decisions. And I think um, if you, one bad shot can lead to a, you know, a three for them or a lob for them in transition. So I think you just got to step on them um, when, when you have that lead. And, you know, I, I just, coach pop talks about it all the time in the NBA, you know, when you one bad play can change the whole momentum of the game. And I think uh, that's what you see sometimes with a young group, like, like our Creighton team. And I, I think they're learning every day and I think they're going to become a much better at it as we go on. Before we move on to our next topic, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up yet with Bet Rivers, now's the time because they're offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call telephone number 1-800-GAMBLER. We've seen, you know, what has happened in the NBA with the health and safety protocol. I mean, it's undeniable. Every team has had to go through it. Teams are calling up everybody from, you know, their G League affiliates or, you know, signing a whole bunch of different guys to 10-day contracts to kind of fill the rosters as we're, go we're all going through this trying time, honestly. Uh, what has that been like? Obviously, you are now a, a little bit of a victim of that. But what has that been like for, like, the entire league to go through this process as they are this year? It's been crazy, man. But uh, obviously, uh, I think it's in some ways it's good. It gives a lot of guys opportunities um, that normally probably wouldn't have it. So, you know, obviously it sucks being isolated and uh, when I'm not feeling even too many symptoms at all. But it gives a guy like Jalen Morris an opportunity to come from the G League, um, you know, and, and show what, what he's all about. And, you know, a lot of Grant Gibbs' players, obviously, um, he's kind of in limbo right now because their season's paused because so many of his players have gotten called up. So I, right. I just think it's, it's obviously bad uh, with the COVID and, you know, we wish it wasn't here and we wish people were feeling better, but um, at the same time, it's given a lot of guys some opportunities to just kind of prove themselves on the NBA level. And uh, you know, so that's, that's been the one bright spot about it. We've got an interesting question from old Jim legend on Twitter. And he wants to know, Doug, why haven't you worn the number three in more, you know, NBA teams as you did in college, you only wore it once in Chicago, if I remember correctly, then Dwayne Wade came and that was a whole other thing. Moved to New York, Dallas, Indiana, right. OKC. Yeah. Why haven't yeah, you worn yeah. number three more often? It's been taken man everywhere I've gone. So I, I've always, I've always tried to get, I've always tried to get back to it. You know, Chicago got taken from, from D Wade, obviously rightfully so. And then um, I get traded to OKC and Sabonis actually had it at the time. So I wasn't going to take it from him. And then I go to, where was I? New York, Tim Hardaway had it. And then I go to Dallas and Nerlens had it. And then Aaron holiday, <laughs> then Aaron holiday already had it in Indy. So it's just like, man, I can't get back to it. And when I got to the Spurs, same thing. Keldon Johnson already had it. So I'm not the type of guy that's going to come in and demand it. You know, like, obviously, I, I would like to have it. But if someone already is using it, it's just kind of tough and awkward. So I've just been rolling with uh, some random numbers, and they've, they've worked out so far. 
What has been your favorite number to play? Because you're in 17 now. We've seen you in 20. What has been the number that, you know, I guess, aside from number three, has meant the most to you? Yeah, three is obviously the one. But uh, if I were to say the NBA, probably probably 20. I really liked it. Um, obviously, I went through a lot wearing that number, traded a few times, and um, probably played my best basketball with Indiana with it. So uh, that's probably the one. But I think 17 has got a lot of, a lot of upside here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually really liking it. When you were on the podcast last year, you're obviously a Pacer in Indiana. You're now a Spur in San Antonio. What has that transition been like from Indiana to Texas? Uh, the weather's been a lot better, that's for sure. Um, you know, we are uh, tax free state too, I guess. Tax tax free. Um, you know, you can get a little bit more uh, house down there, and I think uh, you know it's eighty degrees on Christmas Day, so played some golf on Christmas Day, which is very rare, and um, nice. you know. The transition's been really good, though. It's a, it's a great place to live. Obviously, we had some nightmares there in college uh, in San Antonio, but uh, it's really redeemed itself, that's for sure. That's the number one thing. When I saw you were starting with the Spurs, I'm like, damn, his home arena is where basically our college career ended. Was that yeah. weird, like the first time stepping back into it? Obviously, you've been back as a visiting player, but like now that you know that it's your home arena, is it still like a little weird to have those kind of memories? Yeah, a little bit. Sometimes I think about it, but uh, I try not to go over to that visitor's locker room where, where we were. You know, I just try, <laughs> try to stay on our side and, uh, you know, pretend I'm pretend I'm uh, I mean, obviously Baylor didn't miss a shot coming out of that home locker room. So, uh, right. you know, try to try to stay as hot as I can in that building. It's uh, it's been good so far. And I really, really, really like the fans. They're awesome down here. We've got another question from a Twitter follower at Blue Jays fan is trying to corner you here. His question is, who's the better coach, Mac or Pop? Ooh, that's tough. Ooh. That's tough. That's <laughs> tough. I'm going to have to go with Pop right now. You know, I got I have to, you know, the, he's paying me. So, um, you know, they're both obviously bring great qualities, but, you know, Pop's, Pop's one of the all-time great. So I have to go with him. What are the odds that Coach Mack is going to hear you answer that? <laughs> I feel like I people are going to like now screenshot this and like send it over to him, tag him in it and all that stuff. But he'll, you're he'll going to pop on this one? Yeah, he'll understand. <laughs> he'll understand. <laughs> uh, we got these new NIL rules in college that has really changed the game. These kids are now able to be paid off their likeness. Um, we've seen like different sponsorships and stuff like that kind of pop up as kids are promoting themselves more and more and able to make a little bit of money while they're still in college, you know, while they're still have that popularity. Uh, we know that during the summer between your junior and senior year, you were really debating leaving for the NBA. Ultimately, you decide to come back. Thank God. All of us are obviously very happy about that. If these current NIL rules were in place back then, would it have been an easier decision for you to come back? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, honestly, though, it wasn't, it really wasn't about uh, the money for me. Uh, you know, I think uh, I just wanted to pursue the dream. And I think the NIL, the NIL rules have definitely changed things. And I, you know, could have had some deals, obviously, my senior year, along with you guys. Um, but I think the NBA rules have really changed, too. I think it would have made my decision a lot easier because um, I would have been able to test the waters and maybe do a few workouts yeah, before, right. before I yeah. decided I want to come back. So. I was kind of put in a tough spot because I had to kind of decide on the fly and um, wasn't really able to, you know, go to the combine and come back. So that's why it kind of took me a while to make the decision because I had to, I had to work through all that stuff and get feedback from teams and 
obviously came to the conclusion that it'd be better to come back and um, it all worked out. So I can't really complain. Do you remember all those teach me how to Deggy shirts that was going all around Omaha when obviously that song was at the height of its popularity. And I think it was like near the end of our freshman year where literally anywhere in the student section, student section, someone were, someone was wearing a teach me how to Deggy shirt. Did that make you feel some type of way a little bit back then that like, man, like I can't even get any money off of this. Yeah. I mean, obviously back <laughs> in the day, we, we, we weren't really thinking about it too much. You know, now it's like, yeah. you know, we should be making money off that. But, uh, right. you know, obviously it was just more, I guess it was cool to see. Um, but, you know, like I said, um, I, I never really was in it for the money. It, it would have been nice to like for all of us to get money on our team, you know, instead of, you know, going to the dining halls every night, we could have been eating nice out in West Omaha. You know, that would have been, yeah. that would have been some good perks, get a deal with the restaurant. Um, but, you know, I think this NIL deal is great for these kids. You know, obviously um, they're all making some good money now. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I think Creighton's in a great spot to go um, to with the NIL. I think it's going to really, I think it's really going to help recruiting because um, we have a lot of, a lot of very supportive people in Omaha, a lot of, great businesses a lot of people that are willing to help so i think uh it's only going to help the future of the program we went through a lot together during our our crane careers uh obviously you know there's some great memories that we have and that we all share but you mentioned losing to baylor to end our career already we already talked about that a little bit what are some other like low points that like you don't care too much about but that every once in a while just like sticks at your craw that just randomly comes back into your memory one that comes back into mind is when we kind of got off to a slow start our senior year, um, losing at the, I think it was the Wooden, the one out in Anaheim when we lost. Uh, in to, Anaheim, uh, yeah. Yeah, we lost to George Mason. That one still kind of bothers me a little bit just because uh, it just felt like, um, you know, we all were back and we had so much expectations on us. And um, I think it was a good that we did go through that because um, we ended up recovering from it well, but it felt like a pretty bad low point, you know, four games into the season out there, losing to them and um, having to come start the Big East. Yeah, uh, losing to San Diego State, like basically the night before too, when yeah. a couple of years before that we were at San Diego State and we had to come back from 17 point down, which really started to define, you know, our four-year stint together. But yeah, now there you're, a couple, you're right, that Anaheim yeah. trip was weird. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, there's a couple of Valley losses, obviously, just – our freshman year, we lost so many close games on the road where we just couldn't really close. Um, I remember at Missouri State, you know, at Indiana State, at Drake, you know, we just we lost so many close games. And uh, it was just frustrating because we were right there. You know, I think I thought we could be a tournament team that year, um, but it just obviously didn't work out. You know, it's weird. Like we won a lot of road games in the Valley, but one place that we never won at, surprisingly, which I know is going to bother you, you and I, you yeah. were originally committed to them. And then obviously a coach back comes. How weird is it that like, that was the one spot that we couldn't win at. We just, yeah, that was weird. We just, I mean, it was crazy. Like that, that one where uh, I forgot the guard's name was it Anthony James. Oh, James. Name? Yeah. It was. Yeah. 52. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we thought we had the game and it just like shit like that happens. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of deserved it, I guess, um, by, by me leaving right last second going to Creighton. But, um, obviously <laughs> I, I still talk to Jake all the time. Coach Jake, he's, he's one of my, mm -hmm. one of my favorite people. Um, uh, and 
I just wish them the best always because um, I, I grew up, you know, kind of dreaming of playing there. We have Coach Lutz now at our uh, A&M Corpus Christi. We have Coach DeVries, who's doing a great job over at Drake. Shout out to those guys. How impressed have you been with, like, some of Coach Mack's uh, former assistants who are now leading their own program? <clears throat> yeah, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me at all. You know, I think D-Rock, obviously, we've known for a long time uh, how competitive he is and how much he wants to win. And uh, it's just crazy seeing Tucker. Um, you know, being on his team. insane. Anywhere's yeah. number 12. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's definitely after you, you know, he, he grew up loving you and uh, it's just crazy to see. And I'm, I'm so happy for those guys. And obviously Lutz is just down the road from me in San Antonio. So he's, right. he's a couple hours and they play in a conference uh, with incarnate word who I, I live right by their campus. So I'm going to try to make it to a few of their games. And, um, I just knew that those guys would do a good job. Uh, Sellers is actually a head coach too out in Connecticut. So I try and follow oh, them. That's right. Central Connecticut yeah. state, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, I think they got more guys on their staff that I think could, to, could do a good job as well. So just really happy for all those guys. What is it about coach Mack that he's able to, to find those guys and then kind of like, obviously not only foster relationships with them, but also build them up so that when they're, when it's their time, when they're ready to leave, they can go ahead and, be a head coach at different programs as well. Yeah, I think those guys just learn so much from Mac, uh, just his his philosophies, his offensive stuff, and uh, just playing with pace. And uh, I think those guys have obviously had experience under, I mean, D-Rock with Altman and uh, uh, Lutz with uh, Matt Painter. Inter so those guys, yeah, yeah those guys just, um, they learn from the right the right people, you know, and I think uh, you're, you're seeing why they've been so successful because they've, They've, they've learned from uh, a lot of really good coaches. What about you? Do you see coaching being something that you'll like to get into down the line when it's all said and done? Or do you think, you know, your basketball will end once your playing career is over? Um, you know, I, it's tough. You know, I, I, I definitely, I definitely want to break from it uh, here when I'm done, just like maybe a year or two, um, just to figure out what I want to do. But, you know, if one of you guys, you or Grant or not Ethan, uh, if, if you were Grant, <laughs> not Ethan, not Ethan. Uh, if you were Grant, if you were Grant becoming a head coach, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly be the, uh, I'll gladly oh. be on the staff. I'll be the, I'll be the house yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm curious. Why not Ethan though? <laughs> well, I thought about Ethan and then I immediately thought, you know, he's in Denver. He's already got his job and he, I'm not even sure he wants to touch a basketball or be around whenever again. So, uh, you know, with all the injuries he had to go through, um, you know, but Ethan could be a good uh, assistant ops guy, you know, behind me and, you know, you or Grant be the head coach and we'll, we'll have a good little staff. Well, we'll let Grant be the head coach. We'll just round up the staff, me, you and Ethan, just bring the boys back. How about that? You got, you got, you got Canada territory. You get it. You get a recruit Canada. Uh, yeah. Canada. I got a little pipeline. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll recruit Iowa and the Midwest, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we we got it. Basically, between the four of us, we'll be able to get everybody that we need anyway. So it'll be all sure. good. Uh, you've had some pretty good games this year. Uh, what was one of the best games that you've played? Uh, where and what was it like? I know you play so many games that like sometimes like you know you kind of lose sight of where you are in the season. But like every once in a while, there's a game that sticks out to you. Has there been a game like that for you this year? Um, I would say 
recently at the Lakers. Um, we, we, we beat the Lakers um, at the Staples Center. We actually beat the Clippers a couple nights before that, too. And, you know, I think just beating the Lakers is actually the last game at Staples Center uh, before they switched the before name. They changed and, the name. Uh, it yeah. was just a crazy atmosphere in there. And I came out hot and uh, we got the win against, obviously, LeBron and Russ. So that one sticks out the most so far. Um, there's been a few others that that have been fun too, but I've just been such in and out of the lineup with this COVID stuff. And I had a little knee bruise earlier in the year and um, some illnesses. So I just, I'm so ready to get back in the rhythm and just playing. And uh, we, we, we have the MSG in Brooklyn coming up. So hopefully I can, can be, be a part of those. You obviously were wrestling <clears throat> teammate at, at, in OKC. Uh, he's probably Maybe I'm trying to think about who else you've been teammates with, but a former MVP, Mr. Triple Double, probably like your most well-known uh, former teammate. Is it weird to like go back and face off against these guys in all these different jerseys a couple of years down the line? Because there used to be a point in the NBA where the superstar players kind of stayed on one team and they just kept building around them. But now you're seeing all these superstar players just change pretty much every other season. Uh, so is it kind of weird to see like Russ in a Rockets jersey, then in a Wizards jersey, and then now in an LA Lakers jersey? Is that kind of weird for you? Yeah, it really is. Because uh, for a while I thought I was the only one getting traded and moving teams, but now it's everyone. <laughs> now it's it's basically the whole league. So um, it is it is weird. Uh, obviously, seeing uh, Russ and LeBron out there together, two freak athletes. Um, but it's it's been it's been cool too because uh, you just. Uh, Every year, someone, some new team is going to be good because a superstar goes there. So it's, you see that with the Bulls, you know, this year with the Rosen and, you know, just adding those new pieces there and they're first in the East. And um, it's just, it's been pretty fun to watch. And obviously, every night out, I'm going to see a former teammate because we all, we all switch teams so much. Right. We're recording this uh, pre Villanova game. So if you guys watch this after Villanova game, don't get too loss in the commentary but we do have to talk about this the last time that the Jays played Nova obviously at home they controlled the game from start to finish now they're gonna have to go at Philly uh in a very very tough environment one that's very difficult to win in you and I had success there obviously but what's it gonna take for these Jays to you know go over there and come out with a win yeah you know I wish this game was at the Wells Fargo Center that's for sure uh we have we <laughs> we tend to have better luck there but uh I think the key is obviously just our point guard, uh, Nemhard against Colin Gillespie. Um, you know, I think Ryan has showed all year how mature he is and poised. And, you know, he's freshman of the week every single week. So we know what kind of player we have with him. And uh, just going up against a savvy vet like uh, Gillespie, um, I think that's kind of the key um, tonight is just being disciplined, uh, staying down on their shot fakes, as we know, and uh, just – not getting too down if they go on a, you know, 8-0 run, just trying to keep our poise and just continue to play our game and just play at our own pace. I think uh, those are the keys going into the Nova game. Uh, Arthur Kaluma is like one of the most highly touted recruits that we've had, but he's kind of gone off to a slow start. I don't think he's played his best basketball, not even, you know, anything close to that. Uh, there's ups and downs, obviously, to any freshman season. Um, but, you know, what would you say to him for him to just, keep his confidence going because he will become an integral part of what the Jays do and, and the success that the Jays have. Yeah. You can just see the upside Arthur has. Uh, he's, uh, he's so talented and, you know, I think obviously sometimes the game just feels a little fast out there for, for freshmen. And, uh, you know, I talk to NBA people all the 
time. And they said, you know, he's the best, one of the best prospects on our team. And um, he could be a, a really good NBA prospect going forward. So he, uh, he he's, he's talented enough. We all see the flashes. Um, but it's just tough being thrown in the mix as a freshman and uh, especially against really good teams in the Big East. And they're going to game plan you. And um, I, I, I'm really excited for his future, though. I think he's going to figure it out. Um, the coaches are trying to put him in the best situations possible. And I just think we need to we need to play through him a little more. You know, he's he needs to be aggressive at all times and, and not worry about the consequences. And I think uh, that's what you're seeing with Ryan Nemhard and these other guys. And I think Trey. Uh, same thing. He's he's going to be a hell of a player as well. You can just see his his potential um, growing before our eyes. So I'm just really excited for the future of these guys. I've been telling everybody on the podcast and all the listeners out there that we need to exercise patience with this year's team because they are young, because they're still trying to bring it all together. But every once in a while, we see flashes of how great they can be, and it really gets us excited about the future. What's your take on this year's team and you know how far they could take it this year and then obviously like looking down the line if they decide to stay together uh how good can this team be in a year or two a little bit later down the line yeah uh I think you're right about that there's gonna be a lot of ups and downs with this group you know not just in the games but just throughout the season you know we could lose a game at home that is surprising to you know the Arizona State one uh it's just gonna be a lot of growing pains with this group um which I think the, the staff's reiterated and um uh, but you see the flashes there. You see the guys that we have. We're still so young. You know, I think even some of our other freshmen that aren't playing, you know, John Christopoulos and, um, you know, guys like that, Mason Miller, um, these guys that um, are waiting for the opportunity. Um, they're, they're phenomenal shooters. And I just think the future is so bright. Um, you know, this, this hopefully we can keep this group together for a while because I think just the potential and with, with Nemhard leading the charge, um, you know, the sky's the limit, honestly. That's always the toughest part is to keep a group together, especially in this day and age with, you know, so many transfers. Uh, the Jays lost their basically starting five plus first men off the bench last year. They regrouped with this really, really good recruiting class that Mac brought in. But then you got a guy like maybe Christian Bishop who could have stayed with this group who decides to leave. We don't want it to happen, but like, you know, sometimes these things play out that way. What is your whole take about like the college transfer system and how, how crazy it is in this day and age? Yeah, you know, I think everyone has the right to, to find a new situation without having any consequences of sitting out. I think that's been, uh, you know, it's good and bad. You know, obviously it can, it can break up a team that's very special. Um, I think it hurts the mid-major teams, you know, like the, the Missouri Valley programs and some lower division one that, you know, they could have a couple of really good players that they can leave right away. Um, you know, it's kind of, it kind of tears apart that program, but, you know, you got to look at what's best for the player. You got to look at what's best for, for their situations and, you know, their financial stuff now with NIL. So you have to be on board with that. And, um, you know, it just, uh, you can, you can create some, some super teams for sure, because it's basically like free agency now, you know, uh, you can just stack a roster of the best grad transfers and, uh, you know, I think it's it can be good for a program like Creighton too because we are very a, a very appealing spot to come to in Omaha playing in front of eighteen thousand fans. Um, if you have a guy that's averaging twenty five at a different school and wants to come play with us, sure, we'll we'll take yeah, you. Bring him in. <laughs> we'll take you. Yeah, we'll take you. We need ballers. <laughs> yeah, we need uh, we need Marcus Fosters. You know, we need guys like that. And uh, yeah. I think uh, 
I think you'll see more of that to come, hopefully. I'm not going to hold you in here too long. I appreciate the time that you took out for us. Obviously, you know, you have so much that you could be doing right now. Yeah, so <laughs> much, bro. So much. <laughs> How many more days do you have in there, first of all? Uh, I think just maybe a day. I think two mm -hmm. at the most. So I've been ordering a bunch of like Postmates and Instacart. Um, if anyone has any show recommendations, I could probably, probably use them because I've gone through pretty much everything. So it's, it's been crazy. Uh, we have to ask you, when you get back to Omaha, what's the first meal that you look forward to? Ooh, that is tough. That is really tough. Mm -hmm. First meal, I mean, other than my mom's cooking. Uh, wow. Um, pizza Ranch is always up there, like going over to... <laughs> going over there that's more of a council bluffs let's that's go. that's that's more of a that's more of an iowa thing uh you know yeah uh, dang man uh our uh some of our late night spots obviously with it was eat the worm still around and pepper jacks and those spots eat, eat the worm is still around pepper jacks is yeah. still around the food trucks yeah. are a little bit scarce nowadays though unfortunately yeah. but there's nothing like there's nothing like the drover though i mean the drover is yeah such a good vibe and that steak is that whiskey that whiskey marinade steak uh it's, it's tough to beat how about that's, you what's that's your my spot favorite what too. do you what, what oh, do you drover favorite? big drover guy like if we're gonna sit down if it's gonna be a couple of us big drover guy for sure uh i'm a big qdoba guy too so i gotta get that yeah. fixed and then yeah. uh i don't know in europe sometimes i can get subway it, on the years that i can for whatever reason i crave subway like crazy so like that's kind of like a quick medium and like yeah. a big sit down thing for me yeah i would love to go to the subway right now i'd love to go anywhere right now <laughs> <laughs> uh gotta ask you do you remember what your toughest matchup was in college like individual matchup one guy that you saw in the scouting report you're like you're like damn like i'm gonna have a long day defending this guy um man they usually they usually didn't have me defend anyone too good those usually <laughs> your job or or uh you know who knows you know it usually wasn't me uh, but I would say some of the guys that were always kind of tough. You remember uh, Ladante Hinton from Providence? Yeah, lefty. Uh, yeah, I, I always kind of struggle with him just because he's they play that flex, they play that flex action, and he's a lefty and he's just very crafty around the rim. And then individually, um, uh, like Wichita with Clay Anthony and uh, Carl Hall, um, those yeah. guys who were just strong and physical. Um, those, those were another two guys that really stuck out. And then, um, there's a couple guys on Drake that were just so physical defending me. That was always tough, um, just to, to get going against, uh, but not too many others. <laughs> <laughs> and then same question, but this time in the league, what's a matchup that you're like, long night coming up? Oh man, it's, it's not even really, um, it's it's usually the guys that are just so like such a good handle you know like that can score like a guy like uh like Malik Monk you know guys that like mm -hmm. can dance with it and just Will Barton same way you know they're just they're so crafty at getting to their spots and usually like wings that I'm switched on to like that obviously you never want to get switched on to Russ or Giannis or any of those guys uh, yeah <laughs> but just the, more more the more the guys that I'm guarding uh like the Malik Monks the Will Bartons um just very crafty strong guys like that that can get to the rim it's uh it's, it's tough I the Jamal really Crawfords. Like, yeah 
Yeah. I think that really shows like the range of like the type of guys that are in the NBA because like I listen to a whole bunch of different podcasts. One of my favorite ones is the Knucklehead podcast with uh, Darius Smiles, Quinn Richardson. That's one of yeah. the questions that they ask all their guests is who has been like a toughest matchup. They phrase it as who busts your ass for the first time in the league. And like some of the answers are like so surprising. Like I think I remember Kyrie Irving said like Jose Calderon. Like it's never like you would think like a yeah. superstar, but it's like everybody is so good that if you for whatever reason, God bless you, you don't take him as seriously as you should, they're good to go for like 40 on your head. Like everybody's that yeah. good, right? Any given night, any given night, someone can snap. So it's it's uh it's it's pretty crazy. And uh with all the switching that goes on, you know, you're switched on to a lot of different guys um each night. And you know, I think uh guarding shooters is kind of hard too. I mean, I know you guarded a a ton in college and probably still do, but like just chasing guys off pin downs all game, you have no energy on the offensive end because you know yeah. you're, you're you're running around with Duncan Robinson and Buddy Heald and you know guys like that that want to shoot 15 threes a game. Um, it's it's tough and you can't give them an ounce of space or they're going to hit it. So I've learned that those guys are almost harder to guard than the guys that you have to guard one on one. Trust me, the Colt Ryans of the world and the Ben Simons of the world. <laughs> like I, I don't want to see that. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm running drivers either, only now. <laughs> either just Gibbs. Gibbs doesn't want to see him either. I know that. Right. <laughs> right. Man, I appreciate you so much, dude. I love you so much. I appreciate your time. Uh, obviously, you know, if you feel bad, get better. Uh, if not, can't wait to see you on the court again. You know, I'm staying up until the 4 a.m. to watch the Spurs play anytime that I can. So uh, make sure you get back on the court and, you know, get back right the way you're meant to. Thanks, brother. I love you. And uh, thanks for that surprising birthday video. We really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, let's get a Jays win tonight. Um, you never know. It's crazier things have happened. Let's get, let's get a dub in Philly. Let's get it done. Thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network. Uh, I am Jahensley Maniga. I am your host. This was Doug McDermott. Thank you so much, Doug. Uh, as always, stay safe and go Jays. Go Jays. <laughs>